I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's Light the Tower. Your daily look around the world of sports. With Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way, and Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. Second hour of Light the Tower on the horn. Craig Ray with you. Jeff Howe out today. He'll be back in on Monday. Don't forget tonight we have uh, Longhorn Baseball for you. The season opener for the Longhorns tonight from Globe Life Field in Arlington. The College Baseball Showdown. Texas against Arkansas. We'll have it for you. It is a scheduled, I do stress that word, scheduled, 645 uh, air time on the 7 o'clock, the first first pitch. The reason why I say scheduled is because there are two games. Prior to that, the other two Big 12 teams involved are Oklahoma State and TCU. The other two SEC schools are Missouri and Vanderbilt. Texas plays Missouri t- tomorrow at 3 o'clock, which, by the way, that game will be heard on AM 1260, 101.9 FM and AM 1260 tomorrow for Longhorn Baseball because we have Longhorn men's basketball against OU here on the Horn tomorrow. And uh, then Sunday morning, 10.30, Texas against uh, Vanderbilt. And that'll be back on the horn. Texas women's basketball, by the way, Sunday afternoon on 105.3. The bat, uh, that is uh, against the Mountaineers. 2.45 airtime, 3 o'clock tip-off for that. And Longhorn softball throughout the weekend. uh, Today at the Texas Classic, today. And then uh, uh, tomorrow on 105.3, the bat. And then on Sunday on AM 1260. So that gets you set for that. Of course, we are just not only on the precipice of the Major League Baseball season beginning, but we're, I mean, of the uh, college baseball season beginning, but we're just around the corner from the Major League Baseball season beginning. That means spring training camps are underway. And that, of course, is where we find our good and dear friend, Gene Watson, the vice president, assistant general manager of the Kansas City Royals, who joins us from Surprise, Arizona, where I would imagine, Gino, the weather is beautiful this morning, is it not? It is the first beautiful morning of the spring. We've had some really cold weather out here and rainy weather. And a couple nights ago, we had a massive car wreck on 303 where it was pretty tough to navigate through. But we got college baseball launching here at our ballpark today and around the Phoenix area. So it's a beautiful day. Wow. Okay. All right. Uh, So did you, like, jump in? Uh, I, I, I heard somebody explain this to me. That, uh, in fact, it was our good friend, our good mutual friend, uh, John Blake, vice president with the Texas Rangers. Uh, his son, Chris, who, of course, has been in and around baseball, and a lot of that as well, was also filling in as the uh, play-by-play voice for TCU women's basketball last Saturday when they played Texas. And Chris and I were talking, going out to the car, and he said, well, Dad's heading out to Arizona 
I think he said today or tomorrow, he said the, the trick is nobody could really get out there before Saturday or Sunday unless they were staying way out because you had the Super Bowl going on, you had the uh, Waste Management Classic going on, you had a lot of stuff going on out there. So uh, were you able to get comfortably ensconced into your uh, spring training digs? Yeah, you know, I flew in Monday night. Um, the stories coming out of it when I got in were absolutely crazy, like the Glendale airport there were so many private planes that nobody else could land after saturday afternoon and literally private jets were circling glendale for hours to try to get the planes in position uh the hotel i'm staying at when i got there monday night they had had uh, a normal day was like 85 checkouts they had had 135 and like 90 of them between the hours of 1 a.m and 5 a.m so (laughs) i caught the uh the after effects of it and but there was certainly still a, an enormous buzz, especially with the Chiefs winning it and, and uh, you know, so many Chiefs fans still around the area. Um, but the, the hotels, it was, it was insane because you had, to, you had to book out four days prior and four days after uh, whenever you booked your rooms at a very, very high rate. So they certainly made the most of their economic advantage during the Super Bowl here. Yeah, sounds that way. Now, you, of course – during the regular season, uh, being spending a lot of time in Kansas City when you're not on the road scouting, uh, you you get the opportunity to be around and absorb the city. And, I, and I'm like you. I love the town. I can't wait to get back up there for Big 12 basketball tournament coming up uh, in a few weeks. But uh, I would imagine the town is still on cloud nine because of the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. You were you were the last time they won it with Mahomes. You were working for the Royals, and and I'm sh- I'm sure it was crazy back then, and it probably just added to it now. Yeah, and Craig, what makes Kansas City so unique is it, it it plays so very small. You know, there's like two million people in the city in the metropolitan area, and the the connection between the players and the fan base, even the soccer team, uh, KU, the, the the athletic program at KU, there's such a connection between the fan base and the players that it, it makes it really one of the most unique markets in all of professional sports, and really plays in. Uh, to your decision making when it comes to acquiring or uh, players or trading players, and uh, but it, it's really really great for the city. The Chiefs were able to do that again, and and you know the fan base is really really excited for baseball and the young team that we're going to put on the field this year. And uh, it, it was when I left and went to the Angels for a year. It was one of the things that I truly missed the most was the fan base in the city and how much they love their teams. Visiting with Gene Watson, uh, Kansas City Royals Vice President for Major League Scouting and Assistant General Manager for the Kansas City Royals. Hey, on the Royals website, I was noticing this morning earlier when I was looking uh, that uh, that that they're pretty excited about uh, Brady Singer, who I saw really pitch well against Texas and Omaha when he was pitching for the Florida Gators, and uh, him uh, being extended an invitation to uh, – Team USA for the World Baseball Classic. So I'm I'm curious to get your thoughts about uh, the, the not only his involvement but how the World Baseball Classic just kind of intermingles and intertwines as well. Kind of baseball's answer to the World Cup for soccer, so to speak. It is really truly one of the great events and probably one of the most unknown events internationally uh, in in professional sports. And I was a part of. USA Baseball for the first two uh, in selecting the team and being a part of it. And then Major League Baseball kind of took over uh, with it. But but it is just such a tremendous event. And 
uh, you know, I did a podcast with our, our organization on Monday and they asked about it. And the only thing I can say is like, it's so different when you're playing for your country at the highest level. And they've done a tremendous job of the exemptions and allowing uh, players whose uh, grandparents are, are from different countries and allowing the, the countries that may not be the bigger ones, USA, Dominican Republic, Venezuela, and Japan, but, but, but Team Israel has, has a nice roster, and Great Britain has a nice roster because they've done a nice job of the lineage of allowing players whose grandparents uh, uh, are from those countries. So it's created a little bit more competitive balance. But, but I would urge, if you are a baseball fan, uh, to watch this event because it is absolutely incredible, the passion that the players play with because – uh, it is their country. I'll be at all the games here in Phoenix, and then I'll fly to Miami for the semis and the finals. And it's just such a great event that doesn't get a ton of play uh, nationally because it's during spring training, and teams are more invested. Fans are more invested in their teams and and how they're going to do. But I would urge baseball fans to really jump on board because it is an incredible event. So much to the fact that as organizations, we kind of worry about our players getting too amped up for the event and treating it like it's October when it's really March. And we need to make sure that these guys stay healthy for the season for us. Well, and for, it's, for anybody, it's a great event. That, yeah. And Gino, for anybody that says, well, you know, okay, it's another one's international team USA, you know, they, what about, you know, I, I hear about a young guy, Brady singer, a bit, but what about headline names? I'll give you one Clayton Kershaw, uh, Lance Lynn, uh, Ryan Presley, I mean, these are they, there's some headline and that's just out of the pitching. Daniel Bard. I mean, there's uh, Adam Onovino. There's there's guys that and then uh, behind the plate, Will Smith, J.T. Real Muto. Uh, there, Pete Alonso, uh, uh, Tim Anderson, Paul Goldschmidt, Trey Turner, uh, your Bobby Witt Jr. and uh, Mookie Betts in the outfield, and and Jeff McNeil and Mike Trout. I mean, it, there's big names involved with this. Yeah, and the residual of it is is they go and they play with these very powerful teams and they have success and they win and then they blend back into their teams and they can't get that taste of success out and then it pours into the team and the clubhouse and now your organization gains a little momentum because of their experience in the WBC they come back and they're like hey we're going to do this with this team we're going to win so there is a lot of possible residuals to it and uh, it's truly like I look forward to it every year it happens, and it's truly one of the great events in sports. Visiting with Gene Watson. Okay, Gino, I, I, I wanted to have you on for, for a couple of things. Uh, first of all, uh, the rules changes here for 2023. Uh, we, we know that, uh, that, that in the extra innings uh, you're going you're gonna, to uh, uh, have a, a runner placed at second base, and that's, that's a permanent rule, they say, that, that's going to be that way. Uh, you know, except for the postseason. Uh, the shift restrictions that we heard were coming. Two infielders have to be positioned on either side of second base when the pitch is released, and all four infielders must have both feet within the infield when the pitcher is on the rubber. Uh, there's bigger bases involved. 
Uh, I saw a meme where somebody showed Jose Altuve looking like a little tiny little bitty man standing on the uh, standing on a giant base. Uh, and then, of course, maybe the most talked about the pitch timer: fifteen seconds with the bases empty, twenty seconds with runners aboard. The hitter gets one timeout per plate appearance. He's got to be in the batter's box with eight seconds left on that clock. The pitchers get two disengagements. The pickoff attempts or or step offs for batter only one at the college level, by the way. The violations are a balk. And the limits on the pickoff attempts led to a 26% increase in stolen base attempts in the minors when they tried this out. And the pitch timer helped reduce the game length by 25 minutes in the minors last year. But what about the the over uh, you know the overarching look at the, all of this and how folks at the big league level feel about these changes coming, Gino? Well, the big one is the shift for left-handed hitters. I really, really like this one, and I really like what it's going to do for our game uh, from an offensive standpoint. So many times you'd see guys like Big Poppy or you know whomever you know hit a laser into right field, and there's an extra player sitting over there. You know, there have been some conversations uh, industry-wide as to what will teams do now to kind of outsmart the system, and I think it's been said that if you try to outsmart the system, we're just going to change the rules again. So play it straight up but I think offensively for left-handed hitters that's going to be the big one and the pitch clock that's the other big one because there are so many guys that have worked at a pace literally their whole lives uh, at the major league level that now are going to have to really pick it up not only for the pitchers but also for the hitters too who kind of get into a pre-pitch ritual and, and have a, a method to their madness when they approach the at-bat and so I don't I think it's going to have as much uh, play on the hitters as it is the pitchers. The bigger bases, when I first heard it, I was completely against it. And now that I've seen them, uh, I think it's outstanding because it's so hard. I just think that if the ball beats you or you beat the ball, the play should stand. And it's so hard when you've got these guys that are bigger, stronger, faster than they've ever been, and they're sliding into bases and their momentum carries them through the bag and there's an, a, a tag after the play. I just think that's ridiculous. I think it really hurts the, the competitive side of the game. And what the bigger bases are going to do is allow those base runners to have more room to hang on to the bag. So I really didn't like it in the beginning. I love it now. But, but to me, the pitch clock and the shifts are two things that I think are really going to add to the product and allow a little bit more offense to take place. Yeah, would, would, would it be safe to say – Gene, with, with three inches additional added, going from 15 inches square on the basis to 18 inches, that it might cut down on, we've seen those plays come up the baseline uh, that where the, the throw hits the runner or, the, or there's a collision between the runner and the first baseman saying, well, if they had a bigger base, they could run more uh, you know, outside the line instead of inside the line. Does that remove a lot of the risk of that? Absolutely. And player safety is the most important thing. The, the, the industry, the product is not as good as you, if you can't keep our players on the field. And when they feel like they've got to pull up or, or really extend their bodies to try to hold up to not overslide the bag, now you're talking about hamstrings and obliques and fingers and shoulders and, and collisions at second base. And this, this, it's a player's game, and the product is no good if our best players aren't on the field. So I think it, it was a tremendous um, uh, a decision to, to do that, and I think we're going to see a lot of positives from it. Uh, with regard to the field and, and the shift, and I heard this, and, and, and give me your thoughts on this, uh, where, uh, where the rule says that uh, all four infielders must have – 
both feet within the infield when the pitcher's on the rubber. Now, I had somebody in baseball tell me that they were concerned about this because there aren't real restrictions, unless they've changed this, about how far back that infield can go, the dirt, and that you could actually see it extended out a little to give somebody more range. Have you heard anything more about that? Yeah, I don't don't think that's going to be allowed. I think there are measurements. uh, You know, there's measurements from literally the backstop to home plate, home plate to the mound, the back of – of the dirt area to the to the edge of the grass and center field. I, I don't I don't think we're going to see too much of that at all. I, I know teams can have say in kind of the cut of the dirt around the bag. Yeah. Obviously, Detroit's got the lane from the mound to home plate, but I don't know that we're going to see any extensions in the in the measurements of the infield at this point. Okay. Uh, the one other thing, Gino, I wanted to ask you about uh, is to get your your thoughts, your memories of Tim McCarver, who passed away yesterday at the age of 81, and I know you tweeted out something about this. And, and uh, like you, I grew up a huge baseball fan. Where I grew up in North Carolina uh, for a while when I was a little kid, well into my teens, all we got was the NBC baseball game of the week. And then when Monday night baseball came along in the seventies, we got some of that. Uh, so I grew up, you know, hearing Tony Kubek with uh, Kurt Gowdy, great analyst as well. Uh, I do think that John Smoltz may turn out to be the best analyst of all time or one of the greatest until then though, I think probably the guy who was uh, the best baseball analyst worked on multiple networks, worked on Fox, worked on ABC, worked on CBS. Was Tim McCarver? I thought he was a. I thought he was a great analyst as well. And and uh, he passed away yesterday at the age of eighty-one. One of one of truly one of the classiest human beings I was ever allowed to be around in the game. And I mean, I can't tell you how many people over the years, especially in the early nineties, when he was doing all the major broadcasts. You know, and you would talk about the games and, and how many people would say, well, Tim McCarver said this. He would teach people the game. I remember my wife and I in the 90s watching those playoff games, and we couldn't wait to hear how he was going to educate you about the game, the little idiosyncrasies of learning the game of baseball. And, and whenever I started scouting and I knew that Tim McCarver was doing a broadcast, I would get to the ballpark as early as I possibly could to sit in the press room just to listen to him talk about the game. And it wasn't even how great of a broadcaster he was. He was one of the classiest human beings uh, that you could ever come across. He protected the game in a manner uh, in which he thought the game should be handled by players. And he would call players out. And you know the interactions he had with some players in clubhouses and just truly one of the great uh, icons of the game. And I, I was just heartbroken when I heard he had passed because he meant so much to me and my upbringing in the game and what he what he brought to the game. Well, Gino, here's a classic example of what you're talking about. Uh, what we're going to play is that this, uh, 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 B&E ran this this morning. This is Game 7, 2001 World Series. You remember it well. And there's Luis Gonzalez at the plate. And there's an, 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 an opportunity here uh, with the, for the Diamondbacks to win the World Series. And you got Mario, Mariano Rivera, the best closer in the game, on the mound. And yet Tim McCarver noticed the vulnerability of what could happen with the way the Yankees were playing the infield. The one problem is Rivera throws inside the left-handers. The left-handers get a lot of broken bad hits in the shallow outfield. The shallow part of the outfield. That's the danger in bringing the infield in with a guy like Rivera on the mound. Florida, center field, the Diamondbacks champion 
he said it there and it came out there. <laughs> I mean, he described what what would, what what could very well happen. That's exactly what happened. And you know what? I didn't get to hear him say it because I was in Caracas, Venezuela. <laughs> I was watching the, the Latin American broadcast of it, so I actually didn't get to hear that call. Uh, but what what a what a guy, man! I mean, he just he would teach you so much about the game, and just what a what a loss uh, for for all of us in the game, and uh, just really really sad. No doubt about it. Hey, Gino, I know we'll check in again as spring training uh, continues on and uh, get ready as well for this uh, this great international tournament as well. And I appreciate you taking the time. In, enjoy Arizona. I was reading about all the different time change things, that if you're driving through uh, the Native American reservations, you get the times could change as many as six times in a 100-mile stretch. So just hunker down there in mountain time, my friend, and enjoy the time. All right, Craig. Talk to you soon. Appreciate you. All right, you bet. As Gene Watson, Bye-bye. Vice President of Major League Scouting and uh, Assistant General Manager of the Kansas City Royals. All right, coming up, we'll have our Flex 30 update and our Longhorn Notebook when we continue with Light the Cat Tower here on the Horn 1049 1019 AM 1260, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Thanks again to Gene Watson, Vice President, Assistant General Manager of the Kansas City Royals, joining us here on Light the Tower. Uh, I, I did want to uh, – we didn't have time because we had to get to Gino. I didn't have time to do the cleanup from hour number one on a couple of things on the Specs text line. And uh, – uh, Texas XO2 says, I don't know if y'all answered this on Wednesday. Apologies if you did, but the conversation kind of went toward Longhorn baseball games on TV with LHN and ESPN networks and streaming. But anyway, I was still wondering if you had time to address this. Is there an early indication or speculation how SEC scheduling would go for men's and women's basketball beginning in the 2024-2025 season? What about baseball, softball, and other sports? The only thing I've heard, and I haven't heard anything on uh, baseball or softball and other sports, but with regard to men's and women's basketball, the only thing I've heard is that it is headed for, in all likelihood, just like we've been hearing all these rumors about the SEC trending toward nine conference games, the nine-game model, and we're all certainly hoping for that. A lot of us are anyway. That for men's and women's basketball, that men's basketball will play an 18-game conference schedule like what we're seeing in the Big 12, but that the women will only go with 16 games. Uh, and that may have something to do with the fact their conference tournament is a week earlier. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. But that's the only thing that I've heard uh, with regard to that. With regard to all this um, pay subscription thing, somebody points out, as you did, Cam, that Flow Sports is either monthly or yearly. You can do it that way. Someone else said, so it's very simple. If I have ESPN Plus, will I be able to see the game tomorrow? Absolutely. The basketball game. 
you will be able to see the Texas game. <laughs> Not an app guy says, what about ESPN? The Ocho. Uh, maybe if they'd had the Ocho. Uh, with regard to that uh, slap, what did you call it? Slap out? What? Slap box. Slap box. Power slap. Power slap. Somebody said, Craig, they don't dodge the slap. They take it. Now, I was saying in the old slap fights where you were trying to dodge with your hands, but you just take it, right? Yeah, you can't. You're not supposed to move. It's a, it's an infraction. Yeah. yeah. And some doctors have come out and saying, like, don't, don't, I don't know if play is the right verb because you're mm-hmm. going to get brain damage. Yeah, somebody else said, please don't lump this stupid slap crap with MMA. There's literally not one martial art involved in slapping someone. <laughs> so, it's true. Uh, but it did kind of get down. Uh, with that, um, and and uh, so anyway, so I know where you were going with this about Arizona. It's so hard to remember what time it is during the year. Can you imagine rolling on that highway through uh, those Native American reservations, going through the Navajo Nation and the Hopi uh, Nation, and the time changing like six times in less than a hundred miles? I mean, just out of curiosity, I think I'd want to do it. You know. <laughs> Uh, uh, Ice Cream Main asked for my take on the shift rules and Major League Baseball. Do you anticipate teams being creative and trying to make other shifts like alignments work within the rules? That was exactly what was put to Gene Watson. And he said that there was this deal about, you know, the more you change the rules, the more there will be ways for people to circumvent it, but then they'll just come back and change it again. So there you go on that. Uh, How about a uh, Flex 30 update for us? Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. Okay, we know that the playoffs continue for the girls. The uh, area round started yesterday and it'll go through the weekend then you got regional quarterfinals mid next week then getting into the sweet 16 and elite eight the regional tournaments boys basketball the regular season done unless you have a playoff to make the playoffs oh and you got one of those tonight anderson and dripping springs tied for fourth in 26 6a they got a play-in game at westlake tonight that's the neutral site so anderson and drip if you want to see a Win and you're in, lose and your season is over, lose and go home. Anderson and Dripping Spring. You know, this was set up because, remember, Anderson beating Bowie the other night. Big win there yeah. for the Trojans. So, uh, there's – and then in 25-5A, what a mess you got there. Cedar Park, Glen, and Liberty Hill finished in a three-way tie for the final playoff spot. So, Cedar Park and Liberty Hill played Thursday night, first round of the three-team play-in tournament. And the winner to face the Grizzlies tonight at Rouse for the final playoff spot. So, there it is. That's exciting stuff. Great. Yeah, yeah. So, you do have uh, – so, there's playoffs to make the playoffs. Play in games on the boys' side, area-round playoff games on the girls' side. There's your Flex 30 update. Let's jump right back in to our Longhorn Notebook. Longhorn Notebook. Longhorn Notebook brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, your Longhorn lender, your home loan expert. Check her out on the web at Bowersock team.com okay big 12 baseball we told we talked basketball last hour big 12 baseball gets underway all of the teams in the big 12 conference get underway this weekend um the one game that got underway a little while ago missouri and oklahoma state playing in arlington 
Uh, TCU and Vanderbilt play this afternoon, and then that'll be followed by the Texas-Arkansas game. The other games involving Big 12 schools today and tonight, Texas Tech hosting Gonzaga this weekend in Lubbock. They start this afternoon. Baylor at home begins its season against Central Michigan. Oklahoma at home against Cal Baptist. Kansas and Valpo are playing in Corpus Christi. West Virginia always starts on the road. And if you're up there this time of year, you know why, uh, because of the weather. They're actually uh, in Statesburg, Georgia, to play Georgia Southern. Kansas State is in Nacogdoches to play Stephen F. Austin. And those were the uh, games getting it underway this weekend uh, for the Big 12 Conference Series. And, of course, the Longhorns play tonight. We'll have it for you uh, on the horn. Keith Moreland will join me, 645, uh, scheduled start time. Again, that depends on the length of those games, uh, the the first two games going on. Uh, and uh, 645 is the scheduled start time. 7 o'clock is the first pitch. All right, when we come back, we'll be back to wrap up the week and get you ready for the weekend here with Light the Tower. On the Horn, 1049-1019, until 60 live, local, and digital. The Horn app at hornfm.com. We near the end of this one. Well, Billy Ocean to roll you right on in to the weekend there. So to review, uh, while we have the moment, in case you missed it earlier, uh, I just want to make sure that everybody understands the situation with regard to the television plans for events involving Longhorn men's and women's athletics. Uh, for Texas softball, those games are on Longhorn Network. Uh, Televised, and of course, you can hear them on 105.3. The Bat Andrew Haynes with the call uh, with uh, the games uh, today, tomorrow, and Sunday. Uh, the game on Sunday uh, for Texas will be on AM 1260. Today and tomorrow, 105.3. The Bat. That's because Texas women's basketball will be on 105.3. The Bat Sunday afternoon against West Virginia. We'll be on the air at 245 with that and the tip off at 3. Longhorn men. Uh, of course, you can hear it on the horn. We'll be on the air at 1230 and also on Coke FM, 1230 airtime, 1 o'clock tip-off Texas and Oklahoma. First uh, 1,000 students, by the way, uh, there tomorrow going to get free food uh, in line there from uh, Raising Canes. And um, uh, in addition to that, for those of you wondering about the television plan, because it is an ESPN Plus telecast that's very rare for a game at in Austin to be a ESPN Plus and not Longhorn Network. I explained it earlier that Longhorn Network was allowed to pick three conference games. That's within the conference rules, the Big 12 rules. The rest reverts back to ESPN, and then they pick which games they want. And with Baylor, Kansas playing, and Iowa State and K-State playing, some big matchups, they passed on Texas and Oklahoma being on ESPN, ESPN2, or ESPNU. That means it reverts back by conference rule it reverts back at that point to Big 12 now on ESPN Plus. So it's it's a pay-per-view uh, or subscription if you're already a sub- sub- subscriber as that. And Longhorn Baseball, Flow Sports, 
Uh, that is either a weekly or monthly subscription or pay-per-view subscription. Of course, we'll have the game for you tonight. Texas, Arkansas, scheduled 7 o'clock first pitch, scheduled 645 airtime. Keith Moreland and I on the call. Roger and Keith will have the call on Saturday and Sunday. Thanks so much to Gene Watson joining us during uh, this second hour of the program. Thanks as well to our producer, Cam Parker. Jeff Howe will be back with us Monday. Until then, I'm Craig Way. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. Be healthy, be well, be safe. We'll talk to you Monday morning here on Light the Tower. <laughs>